Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast. If you've been journeying with uh, Russ and I primarily, Jameson's been on here, but if you've been journeying with uh, the Lark dudes, um, the Lark cats, uh, we've been going through the Gospel of of John. I really have enjoyed, you know, going through yeah. John. I don't really get a lot of like scripture outside of just like my own, you know, kind of, you know, just conversations and, and stuff like that. And it's been just awesome diving through this personally for me. So yeah. I'm getting a, I'm getting a lot out of it, and I hope whoever's listening uh, is getting a lot out of it too. Yeah, I'll, I will. I'll piggyback on that man and say one. It's definitely been encouraging for me. It's cool to go back through the scriptures with that lens of it is finished. Yeah. Like letting Jesus's words dictate how you're looking at what he's saying. And it's uh it's been powerful, man. And I've also been able to pick up on a, a number of some really cool stories of people who've been diving in people finding faith, man, in this people learning and just being encouraged for their own journeys. People who are learning things that are helping them help friends and neighbors and family members grab on to what Jesus is really like. Yeah. So that that's been encouraging and just want to say big shout out to all of you who support Lark because it's, it's through your giving that provides us with the time to create resources like this and travel and spend time with those who are not just learning it, but passing it on to friends and neighbors. So seriously, thank you. Uh, keep it up. Yes, absolutely, man. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, dude, the Lark community, the Lark tribe, Love you guys. Um, but hey, we don't want to bog this intro down with a bunch of just banter. I think, you know, we were pretty excited coming off of, of John 4. I think we want to just dive right in because it's a continuation of the story that we have already dove into, which is Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman. And if this is um, the first podcast you're listening to and you didn't listen to the previous one, we would encourage you to go back and listen to the to previous one. But just by way of just reminder, refresher, um, Jesus is doing something pretty scandalous here. In yeah. the middle of the day, in broad daylight, he's at a well, and he begins speaking to a woman, which in this context, if you're Jewish, it's something you don't do. There was even some who didn't even speak to their wives and children in public. And not only that, he's speaking to a Samaritan woman in Samaria. So not only is a Jewish man in the defiled land of Samaria, when there were resources available to you by way of maps, right? Yes. Written by rabbis and other people so that you can avoid this area. But Jesus, knowing that he is the light of the world, the savior of the world, the one who's come not to condemn, but to save so mm-hmm. that the world can have life in him. He had to go through here. He had to to show us what he's like so that we can have this interaction so that we can know that we too have place mm. and belonging with him. That if he could talk to this woman, he could talk to me, right? Yep. That's how I feel about it. And so this woman, not only is she a woman, not only is she Samaritan, 
um, which means two things. One, ethnically, she's mixed, which is kind of like a big no-no to a culture that prides itself on lineage and the purity mm-hmm. of lineage, like the Jews. Um, she's a religious heretic because they broke away from Jewish traditions as mm-hmm. Jew Gentile half-breeds, and they kind of developed their own kind of like religion, so to speak. So she like so religiously and theologically, she's a heretic. And not only that, she has a very, very colored, muddied, relational, marital, sexual past. And yeah. something that she's involved with right now. And Jesus brings that conversation up. Um, and he shares with her that he knows her. He knows her story. And uh, in the middle of the conversation, he says, hey, like, where's your husband? She was like, yeah, I have no husband. He goes, yeah, you're right. I actually know your entire story. And to watch the way she receives that, not in a condemning way, mm-hmm. but, in a, but in a way that causes her to press in and lean in, it actually becomes the very core of her message when she goes back to town. She leaves her jars that she brought to the well to draw, runs immediately back to town and grabs all the rest of her riffraff, heretic, ethnically mixed friends to come meet Jesus. And she says to him, come meet a man who told me all I ever did. And they're coming, dude, in droves. A Mm. big mob. That was last week. And that sets up the story for this week. So without further ado, if you don't have any comments or questions or interjections, look like you're oh, reading it. Look like you're reading an email there, Russ. Russ, are you with us? Oh, I'm with you. I'm looking at my notes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm tracking with you, man. Keep going. It's good. All right. John 4, 31 to 45. So all this is going on. She leaves and starts bringing her friends back. Now the scene shifts to the disciples. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. It's like, yeah, I don't know, man. We kind of showed up and you were just talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman in Samaria. That's some weird stuff, man. And I'd rather just ignore that. So let's just get on to this food that we have. Kind of feels like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like when you catch a friend doing something like you shouldn't or like your eyes just witness something that you shouldn't witness. And you're just like, yep, not bringing that up. And they just like move quickly to lunch. They're like, Rabbi, eat. But Jesus is not about to move on. He wants to have this conversation with these guys. So they're saying to him, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Mm. So the disciples said to one another, pretty similar to the woman at the well, right? About the water. Did someone bring this guy a sandwich without us looking? That's basically the translation of verse 33. He goes, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples like, how does dude, how does dude get food? We went for food. Yeah. Right. Uh, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You guys want to know what sustains me? You guys want to know what really drives me and sustains me. It's doing the will of him who sent me doing Mm. his work more on that in a minute. 35. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, right. He's bringing them back to this scene. He's bringing them back to this moment, this conversation with this woman. And probably when he says to him, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. 
he probably can see the woman and her friends heading back to the well. That's probably what's going on. He goes, I know you guys want to quickly move on because this is really awkward because we're in Samaria. You shouldn't be here. I'm talking to this woman. I shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. And not only that, but we're extending eternal life. We're extending the news that you can get in on the life that God has for you by trusting in the son. I'm extending that to broken people and people you hate. Mm-hmm. But we're going to come back to this conversation. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that sower and reaper may rejoice together. Verse 37, for here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So going back to what's the aftermath of this conversation and the woman bringing back her friends, 39, many Samaritans from that town believed. Remember what we said about John's gospel? I write these things so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of God and that by, and, and that you might believe in his name. Mm-hmm. And so John is, he's reporting this because he's saying, look, it's happening. Yep. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Again, it comes up again. 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. Yep. Two days. Yeah. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves. And we know this is indeed the savior of the world. And after the two days, he departed for Galilee for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So a little bit of a shift there in 43 to 45. But the focus of our conversation here is in the aftermath of the woman at the well. The disciples don't really want to have the conversation, but Jesus kind of metaphorically grabs their faces and and just puts their eyes onto what's happening because yep. something important is happening right now that they need to pay attention to. It's, it's very important, man. And it's so much so that they're like, you know what? I'm, I'm hungry, dude. Let's, <laughs> you know, it's almost like they're a little distracted. You know, as we talked about you know, in the last episode, they marveled at what he said, they're like kind of dumbfounded by all this. And there's just so many things, man, to, to hit on here, but I don't, I don't want to get ahead of you, dude. I just just wanted to say, like, the the depth, man, the simplicity, the depth in the simplicity. I feel like of how this story sort of unpacks to me is is one of the richest places, man, in scripture. Well, I would just say, like, get into it. I, so I didn't tell you this pre-show, but I have very very few notes. I got some things in my head and heart that I want to share, but I'm not trying to really like go anywhere like in any kind of systematic way. So okay. Okay. I didn't know if you were trying to, there's two things to me. There's two things to me that I really want to press in on. Okay. One is, um, the jaw dropping mind blowing, like rethink your whole life moment that's going on here for these dudes. Mm -hmm. There are so many like should nots do not do this. Never do this moments going on right now. And Jesus is completely just blowing up their entire worlds in this interaction. 
So like, yeah, like, what do you do? Like when you're getting messed with at every turn, like foundationally in your life, what God is like, who, who are we supposed to love? Who are my enemies? All that. Like they're in a place that they would avoid their entire life. All of a sudden you're feeling like, man, this shouldn't be happening. And they're yeah. eating a meal. And this is all this is going on. So one, just kind of put yourself in their shoes. They don't want to have the conversation. It's very awkward for them, but Jesus is forcing them to have this conversation. Yeah, it's, uh, I think one of the things that I know we used to teach on a lot with uh, Reclaim, for those who are listening who don't know, Reclaim's a, a resource that we have that helps people really grab onto the freedom that's found in Jesus, but then go step into living that out. It's a, it definitely begins to help you not just reimagine what God is like, but, but literally reclaim what the church is and could be in and through us if we took Jesus at his word. That whole point said, I remember so much of what we did, you know, you know, with, with reclaim is really just helping people hone in on the idea of adults learn on a need to know basis. And I think that's something that's happening here. There is this, this like stop dead in your tracks. Like Jesus just undid every single paradigm I have for faith. Right. That like that's where the disciples are at in this moment. They're just they're they're completely dumbfounded by everything that he's just done. This the just the utter complete scandalous nature of it. Okay. The fact that we're even here, the fact that these people are the Samaritans are coming and hanging out with us, and then he goes on and spends two days. Stay we're, two we're days. We're gonna go stay two days in the enemy camp. I mean, are you serious? So you would have had to have received hospitality from Samaritans. You would have had to submit to their hospitality by staying yep. two days. Yeah. They're being undone. Yes. And I, and I think it's the undone nature of it that creates this need to know. Okay. Um, yes. Learning capacity in a sense, like, you know, within it, it opens the, the framework of what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, you have, you have opened the lid and hopefully, you know what I mean? They're, they're not immediately closing it because what happens when our lid gets open, right? When something comes at us that, that doesn't compute with how our brains work, we might open the lid for a moment to receive it, but then we immediately shut it. Okay. Right. Uh, the second it threatens our sense of security or our sense of identity. Mm -hmm. um, and you have that going on right now. Mm -hmm. Their anxiety, man, has got to be through the roof. The yeah, insecurity sort of like, they're feeling right now. There's cultural norms. There's doctrines. There's theology, right? There's laws yeah. that would have been a number of reasons for them to grab onto, to shut the lid, to not pay attention. Nope. But for whatever reason, Jesus has their attention. Well, not for whatever reason. I mean, we're already into chapter four and he's right. done, done a bunch of crazy cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but they, he, he has their attention. And he is, he is bringing them further and further out into the water and they cannot, they don't know where the bottom is right no. now. No. So they are literally along for the ride yep. and they're experiencing a ton of shifts. I wouldn't even call it a shift like un yeah, undo. I can't uh, undoing. I said it earlier. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what they're literally staying in Samaria, like in Samaria at Samaritan's homes. 
as Jesus is passing on good news, including and offering eternal life and revealing himself, telling them who he is straight up. Yeah. Inviting them to come be the true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth wherever they are, Mm -hmm. because that whole temple system that, that, right. That these disciples know. Yeah. That's coming down. Right. God has shown up in the flesh and is right now uniting himself to humanity. Mm -hmm. And it will come through the death and resurrection of this Messiah, which we'll later see in Jesus. But I think just knowing all that is why Jesus can be in this place in, in saying what he's saying, doing what he's doing. Um, there's, there's no wasting time here. Okay. There's no such thing as wasting time when you're present with people, man. And that's what he's, that's what he's doing right now. And I think the anxiety level for the disciples, the insecurity level for the disciples has got to be through the roof because everything that they would have based their entire identity and therefore security on right now in this moment has been pulled out from under their feet. He really gets out about this dude. Yeah. they're, They're done. They really are discovering what God is really like. Yeah. Um, And when he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, that goes back to the phrase you had in your passage. I have to go here. I have to go to Samaria. Because you you don't understand like the the force of my sustenance, joy, purpose is to do the will of God. What is the will of God? We know what the will of God is for us, John 6, Mm -hmm. to believe in whom the Father sent. But the will of the will of God for the one whom he sent is to do the father's work, which is exactly what he's doing in in relational and verbal form. He is basically preaching the cross. Yeah, he is preaching the life, death and resurrection. That there is grace, that there is belonging, that there is um, all the all the barriers, all the laws, all the things that would keep one from connecting with God, all of it's removed. All things are reconciled and you're in, you're seated at my table. You're my child forgiven, done, finished, right? He's, he's, he's exemplifying this of what will be true now for us that look back at the life, death and resurrection. But he says, I, 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 the will, the food, my food, my sustenance is to do the will of him who sent me. And that's like, I feel this to my bones because and I know you know this too. And I and we've experienced it together in traveling. Yeah. And and sharing good news and meeting with people. Um, we know the joy of getting wrapped up in deep conversation about Jesus. And it's so good, dude, that you can forget that you're hungry and you can forget that food's ready. Mm-hmm. And as one who's affectionately known as Tony Two Plates, that's saying something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, when, when, when Tony's not smelling the tacos, man, that are getting made in the truck next to you, that's saying something. But you can forget. You can forget. Yeah. It's like food. Who cares? Hungry? Like, what's that? When you get into these conversations and you experience kind of like what's happening here and what he's inviting us into. Yeah. And so the dudes who are his disciples, who he's training to be these messengers, to ones who carry good news. The first example that they have of what they should be doing is a female Samaritan heretic with a muddied 
sexual and relational past. That's their and present. Right. That's That's the thing. Yes. He he's using her as a teaching lesson for them on how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could just stop there. I mean, put that in your theological pipe and smoke it (laughs) because that will undo you. So you have these guys that are being undone and being undone in a way that I feel like is driving their own discipleship to, to begin to see and learn something. Okay. That's, that's so difficult for them. That doesn't seem to be near as difficult for the Samaritan woman, which is saying something. Okay. And if you've been around ministry at all, you know what I'm getting at there. (laughs) So you have this, this scene here. And then I think you're right. It's part of that learning is you begin to see like where Jesus is finding the very fuel and, you know, substance in his life is, is the, the trusting of the father and walking in what the father's doing and which is the same for us. And yeah, I've, I've experienced exactly what you're talking about. I just got experienced that just the other day in Nashville uh, with, you know, in a conversation with somebody and it's this good and beautiful thing, but then you keep going, like you said, with a story and you see the Samaritan woman becomes the very thing that we've all been invited into. And that's why I use the word present. It's not just her muddy past. It's her muddy present. Yeah. She hasn't gone and changed anything. Right. And I don't know about you, but the, the, the simple depth of this story to me, that's like the most powerful thing I think is, is the Samaritan woman doing missionary work and doesn't even know it. Yeah. That, that for me is like the, one of the most powerful examples I feel like in the scriptures of what we, we long to see and what we try to, you know, see within the name of church, but often never happens. Mm-hmm. You you see somebody here experience freedom in such a way that out of her joy of it, mm-hmm. she's naturally extending it to other people. Yeah, and there's a there's a wonder, there's a pressing in that happens even when he shares about what he knows about her story. Yep. And so going back to the last episode, you you based on the the reaction, you have to the text forces you to imagine it outside of just the very reductionistic understanding that, Oh, he called out her sin. Something far greater is happening here. Yes. It had to do with very personal private things. She's probably very ashamed of and has a lot of hurt and baggage from no doubt. I mean, in every situation, we're all victims and rebels. You know what I'm saying? All every, every one of us, Yep. In some instances, yes, we're victims. We've been sinned against, but we're also rebels too. We've hurt others in the yep. name of living for ourselves and for what's best for, for us. And so all no times doubt in the name of doing good. <laughs> yeah, dude, she's there like all of us. Yep. But she was like, oh my gosh, like this, this knowledge, this experience she had, and it's the core of her message. So, and then it gets into it again in 39. It's like, hey, after spending two days with you, we first came here. Because we were told, come meet a man who told me all I ever did. But now after spending time with you, we believe not because of her testimony, but because we've investigated this ourselves. Like yeah. we believe in you because we've spent time yeah. with you. And I think that that's kind of how it goes. We might have a friend or somebody who kind of like introduces us, maybe shares their story, maybe share some things, maybe, you know, like what God is like. 
But then there's that inquisitiveness. There's that Nicodemus moment. There's that, yeah, that crisis moment that forces us further into the conversation and God reveals himself to us personally. He makes known his son in us. He reveals his son in us as Paul says. And so far, everything we've seen with Jesus and even here, everything we've seen from him is a declaration of what God is like and what he's doing for us. Mm -hmm. Right. This, this, I don't think this was two days of Jesus hanging out with them, just running through every area of their life and trying to get all the check marks, you know, in place. (laughs) Right. Like Roman says, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, to changing our minds about what God is like. That's what that means. It probably was a reflection of their initial conversation. And I like how you pointed out that he was patient with her because, you know, the conversation shifted so many times to like, you know, why are you interacting with me? So it's like this social kind of thing to then she wanted to have a conversation about like worship. Like, well, some people say it's this mountain and that mountain. And he's so patient to kind of follow her and her train of thought and go here and go there. And mm-hmm. based on the conversations that we've had, you know, from coast to coast, um, and I'm sure it's like wherever each person was and he's diving in, but he, he has this, he has this phrase he, that he tries to um, share with, with the disciples so that they can wrap their minds around what's happening. And he brings agriculture into this idea of friendship and ministry. And he describes mm. it in terms of reaping, reaping a harvest. And they would have known in an agrarian society how hard it is to reap harvest and how much work goes into that. But here's these dudes who not only did not work with Jesus in this, they probably were actively working against him coming into this town. Reluctant for sure. I don't think they were like that excited to participate in what was going on here. In fact, when it came down for the time of the conversation, they dipped to go get food. They're like, yeah, we're out. And they Mm -hmm. come back and there's this massive harvest that's waiting for them. And they were experiencing the fruit of someone else. And so there's so many places you can go here with this, but I think this phrase right here, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. That is a gospel phrase. Yes. The entirety of the message of Christianity is come and receive the benefits of the work of someone else on your behalf and receive it freely just by saying yes. That's what it means to believe. Come receive the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the inclusion, the familial status, all of it, adoption, justification, love, all of it flows freely from the father through the son to the world Mm -hmm. regardless of who you are what you've done where you've been or where you're going you need only to receive it and believe but i love that he applies the same language to ministry and if you've been in the ministry world you know how odd this is because especially if you dove in in the west There is a lot of ambition. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of spreadsheets. There's a lot of mission and vision statements. There's a lot of staff and dollars and fundraising. 
you know, there's a lot of work and staff and hours that go into right reaping Mm -hmm. and fruit in ministry. And when you come at it from that world, like you and I have to adopt an understanding of ministry, that's primarily focused on friendship alone, the conversation of Jesus and good news and waiting, watching and walking and trusting in a move of God himself in and among the people that you're living among. What Jesus is saying here is flipping our lid. If you've been in the church world and you've done ministry in the West, this story should be messing with you just as much as these disciples are experiencing this undoing. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, not just what you see the Samaritan woman go and do, but like you said, man, like what Jesus points out in and through this, this is uh, this idea of, of laboring for God, accomplishing things for him. It's like, come on, man, that has, that has produced leagues of burnout and droves of yep. people saying goodbye to the church. There's, 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 dude, you have been invited to come join the feast of someone else. Mm-hmm. And to simply look to the person next to you and say, bro, isn't this food amazing? And if they don't know about it, then you get this beautiful opportunity to talk to them about it. Yeah. And hopefully by faith, they can begin to, right. To awaken to what's been sitting right under their nose their whole lives, man. Yep. But it's, it's, uh, this, I guess maybe one way to put it is vision. Vision's a cruel taskmaster. Yes. Jesus is a gracious Lord. And you can't get two things that are further opposite of each other. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, man, in a moment of, uh, in a moment of vulnerability, <laughs> maybe that's what you want to call it. This going through this passage is huge for me. Just even in my own life and story right now, because I feel like within Lark, we have this heart for a world experiencing this freedom that they already have in Jesus. So you have this very message centered, right? Desire to get this kind of news out that really frees up people to go and hang out in villages for two days and just eat food and pass on good news and see whatever the Lord does. Um, But then at the same time, you have people who all come from the church world who are looking for nuts and bolts and all the how to's. And then you get all the dollars in the spreadsheets, man, they get attached to it where on one hand, your, your heart's for this one kind of ministry. But if you don't play a game in this regard, you know what I mean? Yep. You won't, you won't have time to play at all. Mm-hmm. And I've just been really, I wrestle with that, you know, um, just, you know, how do you speak to all these audiences? And just in thinking about it, I was in a conversation with Jameson who's on our team And he basically just kind of comes back and says, well, here's what you've always shared with me. And I just, man, I honestly wrote it down here. And it's something that he says, uh, you know, we Lark is focusing on the freedom and trusting that to lead to a different sort of fellowship. Correct. And I'm like, yeah, he says, or there's always a question of, do we focus on the fellowship that all the how to's and how to make things happen in the labor of ministry? trusting that that will lead to freedom. I'm like, yeah, man, that's always like the chicken or the egg, you know, which one came first dilemma. 
He said, thinking we need to focus on how to do fellowships or gatherings doesn't seem to do it. It never has. We're talking about an entirely different way of being Christian here. It's called free. The gathering was really only ever the natural thing humans do who are in something together. Assembly came by necessity in the scriptures, not by strategy or prerequisite in some form of labor or ambition for God. The bottom line is humans gather. That's just what we naturally do when we need to. So if we, re if he said this, if we reinfuse freedom into the Christian message and people, the way people freely live and gather will change. But if we focus on the gathering, I fear we will simply be reliving the same failure of the modern church. It's always been our question. It's always been something we always all, you know, we've gone all in on. But again, it's always been a wrestling point as well. Do we trust freedom enough to go all in on it? To let it be the magnetism that draws people together. And man, I'm looking at that story and like just thinking through it, man, for this podcast. And I just found myself going, there it is. The magnetism, man, that drew enemies together. came yeah, through a declaration of freedom that was it nothing else yeah. nothing more yep yep and that's exactly what is causing the movement here yeah being jewish your jewishness and being steeped in your cultural norms behavioral you know what i'm saying do's and don'ts and theological accurate you know accurate accuracy yeah. is 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 not is not getting droves of samaritans to come and press in with jesus <laughs> they're not coming and to you your event say, <laughs> yeah so i'm saying like being jewish is a hindrance to you here yeah and if you think that christians have less creed cult conduct red tape than jews you're just silly yeah. we have as much and so in, in a time when the right is saying, man, we need to stand up. We need to be about all these implications and we need to like take a flag in the ground and like all this stuff and like let people know like where we stand and like take back the culture and like, you know, all this stuff, dude, that is not going to get the people who you call your enemies or even enemies of God to press in on the conversation of Jesus. No, it's not. And okay. so the conversation of Jesus in spaces that make you, oh my gosh, unbearably uncomfortable yeah. in the simple declaration of what God is like. I think that's the one thing he's calling us to. Yep. And you could call it a labor, but it's not nearly as much of the laboring as I see in all the volunteerism and bulky staffs and budgets. No. And the things I've experienced or asked people to do, but friendships and to watch that conversation and that movement of God himself produce the gathering that you long for. Yep. Just going all in on the freedom, man. Yeah. That's what Jesus has done. He's gone all in on exactly what it is that he's accomplishing. 
-hmm. and trusting this good news that will come to fruition in his death and resurrection. He's letting it be the magnetism that draws people into what God's like to faith, to seeing them free. Right. And then where that leads and where that goes is just something that seems to be a day by day adventure called faith. Yep. With whatever Jesus is saying and doing in and among us, it's not a programmed Christianity. It's not an institutional church. It's a free people living by faith. There's a vast, vast difference. And I think if John four is telling us anything is if you want to follow this Jesus, not, not like follow his words and ways, like here's a list of stuff to do and not do like actually follow a person. Yeah. If you want to do that, get used to awkwardness, Yeah. get used to undoing, get used to your inabilities being on full display and yep. get and get used to your religiosity being challenged. Yeah. And just know that the dependence that you'll live in is where freedom's found. Freedom comes in dependence, not independence. Yep. So independence on him, you will find freedom and you'll be undone and you'll get to see what Jesus does. I think that's the lesson in this, man. Yeah. And for those of us in love with comfort and security and dotting <laughs> I's crossing T's and, you know. Yep. Yep. And being liked Damn. by everybody. Damn. Let's just be honest. Jesus is not getting liked by the Jewish community <laughs> in this. It's not happening, bro. No, for sure. Good chat, bro. Yeah. Good yeah, chat. Yeah, man. Cheers to cheers to letting freedom be the magnetism and trusting in whatever God chooses to do wherever we're at period still on the journey still learning it so amen cheers. to that bro peace